Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Charles Lawrence Thompson. How's it going today, Charles? Living the dream. Yeah? Are you living the dream? From what I've seen you doing today, it doesn't look like you're living the dream, but I do... Standard dad answer. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Standard dad. What you've been doing all day doesn't look fun, but I admire your attitude. Oh, yeah. Towards oh it. yeah, what yeah. yeah, what I was doing, yeah. And you know what you've been doing with the printer over here all day. Got a printer, got some organizing things to do, and uh, yeah, I got a big old stack of papers that is not fun. It's look not how, good stuff. Look how thick this thing That's is. That's a lot of papers right there. It's very legal, um, a very uh, professional. Yes, it is. Binder I've got here. It's leather bound. I've got many leather bound binders. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, honestly, fake leather. Okay, but, well, okay, but it looks nice. Well, this is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And I also want to tell you guys to smash that subscribe button or the follow button if you have not done it already so you can get a brand new episode of this podcast sent to your phone every day of the week when we want to. So if you're ready, Charles, we'll just go ahead and get on to the news. We got a few stories in here we got to talk about today. Why don't you just dive right in? Let's dive right in. This is from Axios. Axios. I'm, I'm going to add them to the list. They have a lot of things that we can talk about, and and they present really terrible opinions on things, so it should be pretty good for the podcast. So the Senate, you guys know that U.S. Senate thing, they failed to advance the Paycheck Fairness Act. Now, what is the Paycheck Fairness Act? This is this magical act that was going to end the gender pay gap. And so what you're seeing, obviously, is all the work that Republicans will go into to prove that they hate women. And that that's obviously what's happened mm-hmm. so far. So let's see what Axios has to say about this. The Senate on Tuesday failed to advance the Paycheck Fairness Act legislation intended to address the gender pay gap. Because the Equal Pay Act of 1963 is just not cutting it. They got to actually make some tougher things in there. Mm-hmm. With a 49 to 50 vote, I don't know who the missing person was or the person who uh, just voted that they were there. I'm not sure. Saw Democrats in support and Republicans opposed. At least 60 votes were required to end the filibuster and move the measure to the floor for a vote. The bill would provide more effective remedies to victims of discrimination in the payment of wages on the basis of sex. That is, that is exactly what it would do right there. Pennsylvania Representative Brian Fitzpatrick was the only Republican to vote in favor. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said Monday that Democrats' agenda is up against GOP resistance and is transparently designed to fail. What Mitch Mitch McConnell is saying right now is <laughs> my favorite voice you do is that um, is that the Democrats are putting up bills that they know are going to fail in an effort to drum up negative PR for the Republicans that that that's what they're doing which is it's uh, all just a game your life is a game it's it's overall a, a a pretty good political theory I think it's actually it would be a good idea if you were a Democrat to do that kind of thing uh, said the only way this bill that a bill to provide equal pay to women is designed to fail he said that this was designed to fail Chuck Schumer said the only way that a bill to provide equal pay to women is designed to fail is if Senate Republicans block it okay of course that's the only way it's the only way is if you don't do it 
Quote, if the Republican leader wants to talk about radical positions, I'd say to the opposing legislation to provide equal pay for women supported by a solid majority of voters is a radical position. We've been talking about the wage gap for years now with no action taken by the Senate. Women with the same job, the same degree, sometimes even better degrees than their male colleagues are making less money. Not true. That's actually not true. He's that's that's literally not true. Let's pass laws based on false statistics. Yes. Yeah. Why well, not? He, now look, I want to apologize to my fiance in advance because this is something that her and I get into quite a bit. Yeah. And I love her to death. She's a strong, vibrant, successful woman. And, uh, you know, but unfortunately, the uh, the stats don't line up in her favor. They and and we get into this and she if she listens to this one, let, this is all in good love. Okay? <laughs> good love. This is just the facts. So I'm taking all emotions out of this argument. So I went to the Google machine and I typed in the Paycheck Fairness Act. And I noticed down the list there was a Wikipedia entry about the Paycheck Fairness Act. So I was just going to read about it. And so they describe what it was. They say it's a proposed United States labor law that would add procedural protections to the Equal Pay Act of 1963 and the Fair Labor Standards Act as part of an effort to address the gender pay gap. A Census Bureau report published in 2008 stated that women's median annual earnings were 77.5% of men's earnings. Recently, this has narrowed as by 2018, this was estimated to have decreased to women earning 80 to 85% of men's earnings. In the same paragraph, they say one study, and then they cite the study, suggests that when the data is, data is controlled for certain variables, the residual gap is actually from 5 to 7%. The same study concludes that residual because hours of work in many occupations are worth more when given at particular moments. What they mean is that men end up working more overtime, and so they will end up making more money for those overtime hours. And when the hours are more continuous. Yes. And so this has been... This has been debunked a million times. I definitely think that if you go back to the 1960s, you could make a case that women were just being taken advantage of, maybe, and that there was lower pay for the exact same job, uh, potentially. But then there's always the completely logical argument that if you really could get, if you really were getting the exact same work, for 77.5% of the money, then a corporation that was greedy and evil would only hire women because that would be the best deal for them. Yeah. And and so that that is one thing that they would do. But this has been debunked a million times. Those stats are all men and all women, and it does not account for the separate occupations. Okay. Or the amount of so, hours worked. Yeah, or, or the, the choice or the hours worked. So yeah. It's something uh, men work, I think it was 10%, 10 to 15% more hours. They work more overtime hours. They work more dangerous jobs. They were they were 20 to 30% more likely to ask for a raise. They were 20, 30% more likely to negotiate their pay higher when they were offered pay. All of these things narrow the gap to nothing. And in a lot of studies, you will actually see that if they do have the exact same degree working the same job, that women might be earning more there's actually some data on that so anyhow that's true in the physician realm yeah female yeah. doctors on average make more than male their male counterparts yeah and you're seeing more female physicians now than you are male physicians especially coming out of medical school and, and the other thing is is a, a lot of it is by choice mm -hmm. you know men typically choose jobs that involve things whereas women typically choose jobs that involve people now 
there's obviously crosses between this. This isn't just a standard like, oh, if you're a man, but there's a reason why literally almost all of the bricklayers are men. Almost all of the underwater welders are men. <laughs> almost all of the linemen who work on your electricity are men. Almost all of your plumbers are men. Almost all of the, 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 the people who work with things, your even software engineers, robotic engineers, mechanical engineers, construction workers, all the people who work with things that are easier to scale, by the way, it's easier to make money at those things. It's easier to get overtime on those things. It's easier to have a good paying job at those things, right? Because you can scale. It's hard to scale people. Yeah. That's a school teacher can only really make so much money because you can only have so many kids and only get paid a certain amount. If you're talking on an economic standpoint, a someone who is working with people uh, can only have a certain amount of customers because they only have so much time and there's only so many things they can do in a day. Even a doctor can only see so many patients. A teacher can only have so many students. But if you're doing something that say, uh, you type some code into a computer and that can affect the lives of thousands of people whenever millions. you do that, or millions of people whenever you do that, then it's easier to get higher pay on those jobs because that's actually scalable and you actually have way more customers when you are when you're doing something like that. So when women go towards things that uh, are generally taking care of people or or teaching kids or doing something speaking generally here, okay? That's not what my wife does. My my wife works in a field where everyone else she works with is is a man, you know? So it's a it's obviously She's not a true for everyone among boys. Yes. And um and by the way, uh, she did the work on what all the pay figures were and um this article would not be true for her because I know for a fact that she gets paid pretty well. So, and that's in comparison to the uh, other people she works with. So, just not just gonna saying, say any numbers. not going to say anything else other than that. But now, now it is also possible that there is some favoritism. That's mm -hmm. that's entirely possible. But that accounts. I don't know the exact numbers, but I guarantee in this day and age that accounts for probably point zero zero one percent. Mm -hmm. Okay, because and the, and the whole idea is that, as you pointed out, if it were actually cheaper to hire women, their men would have no jobs. It's true. If I, if uh, I, unless the boss really hated women that much yeah. that you that he couldn't stand to have the women at the job because he just or she. he he or she hated women yeah. so much then that would be the case where that w wouldn't work out. But yeah. go ahead. I, I no, that's all I was that. saying. That's, yeah. I mean, there are some cases where that does happen, um, but those are very uh, minute and anecdotal. And it doesn't account for the statistics as a whole. When you take into uh, the, all the variance within statistics like this, because all those things matter. Mm -hmm. It all matters. Well, the actual, the actual truth matters yes. in, in this situation. Yeah, and the, especially the truth when you're going to be passing a law. Yeah, the truth is the data doesn't match up with the with the argument. The data doesn't match up with the thing they're trying to solve. It, what if it women's just pay doesn't. actually goes down in some fields <laughs> so, if they pass something like this? Like, oh, well, it's got to be equal. Oh, and so one of the parts of the bill, the reason the Republicans were so against it is because it shifted the burden of the proof over to the employers. And it would essentially be this thing where there would just be a ton of frivolous lawsuits out there. So right now, if you sue your employer and you say that there's been discrimination, you have to prove the discrimination. And so the burden of proof is on you as the person who's suing the employer. 
this bill would shift the burden of proof to the employer. So if you were if you were suing the employer, now the employer has to prove that they're paying you less that they're innocent. based on all of the employer has to prove that they're innocent. Yes, that that's correct. And so the Republicans couldn't go for it because it tip it it literally shifts the burden of proof over to the person who is being accused in in this. So that that's just not that's not okay. It's also unconstitutional. Now lawyers would love this. I yeah. mean, tons of lawsuits out there anytime someone wants to sue because they don't think they're getting paid the right amount. And then the business just has to fight the lawsuit. They got to prove that, well, this person actually, they uploaded this many files. You would uh, file a lawsuit you know. just in case. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Everyone go file a lawsuit. Some of them might go through. Some of them might not. Right, right. Yeah. You might get a settlement. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the old Ben Shapiro line here, facts don't care about your feelings. I'm sorry. Okay, that uh, this happens sometimes, but the the data, if you can present me data that backs up the claim, then I will come on here and I will apologize about my stance and I will say that I'm wrong. I will I will scream it from the mountaintops and the title of the episode will be Nate apologizes for being wrong on this stance. But until someone presents us with the data that backs up the claim then this is the stance that we have to have because it's based on facts. I just can't have a different one. And my feelings rely on facts. Yeah. That's, that's, that's most of the is. time. Yeah. All right. Next up from coming from the Hill. The title is kind of hilarious, but the article is good. So by rejecting Democrats election overhaul bill, Joe Manchin may have saved America. So I cut out the first paragraph just to back up. There was I don't the, know who Joe Manchin is, by the he's way. He's the um, senator so, from West Virginia, okay. Democrat, but kind of toes the line, sometimes votes Democrat, sometimes Republican. So he's not super woke, not super leftist. You know, so the Democrats hate him. Republicans are trying to be buddy-buddy with him right now. Mm -hmm. And the For the People Act was essentially the federal government taking over the election rules for all of the states. So that is what the, they were going to ban voter ID. They were going to uh, make sure that every state had mail-in voting, that no states required any signatures or notaries for absentee ballots, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's a really terrible bill. So according to Manchin, the primary reason he is not willing to vote for the legislation is that he believes the For the People Act poses a serious danger to the future of the country. Yeah, and we've covered the For the People mm -hmm. Act and how absolutely atrocious it is. Quote, I believe that partisan voting legislation will destroy the already weakening blinds of our democracy. And for that reason, I will vote against the For the People Act, Manchin wrote in his article. It might sound like hyperbole to some, but Manchin's concern about the threat posed by the partisan nature of the bill is absolutely right. The For the People Act is truly one of the most troubling pieces of legislation proposed in recent memory. Should it ever become law, voters' faith in elections would be eroded regardless of whether widespread voter fraud actually occurs. Among the many worrisome provisions included in the For the People Act are a ban on state voter ID laws, a mandate requiring all states to allow mail-in voting and prohibitions on any attempt by states to require a witness signature or notarization when casting absentee ballots. In other words, the For the People Act would effectively make it impossible for states to guard against even the most basic forms of voter fraud. Yeah, so that it's a pretty terrible bill. And yeah. hey, thanks, uh, thanks Joe, for, for going against it. <laughs> In response to these concerns, supporters of the For the People Act typically argue that there has been no evidence that widespread voter fraud has significantly altered vote important elections in the past. 
Therefore, they reason states should be forced to make voting as simple and as easy as possible, which we could do it and it be more secure, by yeah. the way. Putting aside the dubious claim that voter fraud has not been altered, uh, has not altered past election outcomes, the fact is that election laws are not merely in place to protect fraud from occurring. They also exist because they help reduce the perception of voter fraud, instilling confidence in the outcome no matter who wins. So that that's the most important part, by the way. It's not, it's not even about whether or not there was voter fraud, say, in the last election. In my opinion, the reason that this bill would be so terrible is because officially no one would ever trust an election outcome, especially people on the right, but no one would, no one would ever trust an election outcome again because no. we have almost no rules guarding but the, the election. the left elections. didn't even trust it in 2016. I know. I know. Hashtag not my president. I know. They were baffled that he won. They, was, they were like, this is impossible. Literally, he Hillary cheated. would still say that she won that election. She didn't even concede. <laughs> That's true. She didn't even come out, be, unfortunately, because she... She held her, she held her speech in a glass ceiling, and it wasn't broken. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor thing. Oh! If Americans cannot trust election, she was like, "Man, I stayed with that man all these years." <laughs> what a waste of win. time! Oh. If Americans cannot trust election results because the rules are designed in such a way that voter fraud is easy to commit, whether the fraud occurs or not, then the validity of the elections will be forever will forever be called into question. This might at first glance appear to be highly partisan view, but survey survey shows (laughs) voters of every political persuasion worry about voter fraud, at least until their side wins. That's yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Just after the 2020 election, a Politico morning uh, consult poll found 70% of Republicans said they didn't believe the election was free and fair. Prior to the election, only 35% expressed significant concerns about the validity of the election. Democrats, on the other hand, overwhelmingly said they trusted the results, with 90% saying the elections were free and fair. However, prior to the election, when left-leaning media were making claims about alleged election interference by the Trump administration, only 52% of Democrats said they trusted that the election would be fair. <laughs> it's like when your team wins. So 90%. You're like, oh, well, that, yeah, that wasn't pass interference because he, <laughs> oh, yeah, he scored the touchdown we won. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if the other team had done it, it would definitely have been pass interference. It was a good no call was, right yeah, there. Great no call. Yeah, glad the glad the ref. Now, is if on you're my a Saints side. fan, you yeah. know it was a bad call. Yeah, you know exactly. it was a bad no call. Yeah, sorry. And now Drew Brees retired without winning another Super Bowl. Oh God, I still feel bad for him. Yeah, a free nation cannot exist if its citizens are worried that elections can't be trusted. And like it or not, that's exactly how tens of millions of Americans have felt over the past year. Not just the past year; it's the past while. It's, it's right after every election. Yeah. Contrary to the claims made by supporters of the For the People Act, the bill is nothing more than a highly partisan attempt to solidify political power, one that would further divide an already deeply divided nation and put the future of the country at risk. And that is true. We are becoming so politically divided. Um, and really, it's not. It's it's the extremes that are doing it. It's not. I, I feel like most of America uh, is pretty middle of the road. Yeah. Uh, if when you go and talk to everyday people. Even when we were talking to big Bernie fans at Politicon, and when we started talking about agreeing with them and saying healthcare is way too expensive, um, we had great conversations mm-hmm. with people who who support someone that we utterly despise as a political opponent. Not him. We don't despise him as a person. We despise his ideas. I kind of despise him as a person. But they're murderous. Mostly his ideas. He seems like he could be but a the nice person has ideas, you know, or do the ideas have the people? Who knows? 
ideas have people. Mm. Yeah, you know, the title of the article was that Joe Manchin might have saved America. I think it's a little too soon to tell, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. BernieLies.com. But this would have been uh, this would have been really bad, and and if you think it's bad, people not trusting the election results now. I mean, it would be so much worse. And eventually, when you have a democracy and people are voting, and by democracy, by the way, I mean that everyone uh, that's eligible gets a vote. I don't mean that you know we want a, a majority democracy or direct democracy or anything like that. Um, when everyone gets a vote, and especially when the federal government has so much power then the country kind of starts to fall apart after that if you don't trust the results of your elections. That's always what you see in these countries that we go and destroy. We're going to try and have elections, and it's always a really big deal because they didn't have the elections before, they were too corrupt or something like that. And when they can finally have their first elections, uh, the people that we left over in those countries, they feel a lot better about their about their countries when they can actually do that. Now, I don't know how often that actually happens. Uh, a lot of times those places end up worse, but you guys get the idea. These places where people aren't free and where they, where they don't have some type of democracy, uh, they end up tearing themselves apart. And especially when you have a government where no one trusts what the actual election results were, uh, then you can have a lot more of these people on the edges, like what Charlie's talking about. You have a lot more of those people on the edges that can end up doing crazy things. Uh, they can end up, yeah, just just making bad things happen. And we don't want that. I don't want more bad things happening. I don't want more people protesting in the streets uh, because of things that may or may not actually be happening. I don't want any more riots at the Capitol, anything like that. It would be best if we could actually trust our elections. And uh, last year was a pretty tough one because there were so many mail-in ballots, and that's something that we haven't dealt with before, that I I think we have to have rules about these mail-in ballots. I honestly do. I, I Listen, I, I'm not sitting here thinking that Trump's going to be brought back as president. I saw a poll showing that like 30% of Republicans, of course, they polled 1,000 people, but 30% of Republicans believe that Trump's going to be reinstated as president in, in 2021. Still, um, are you serious? I, yeah, yeah. The, the, I looked through the poll, and that is how it was worded, and that was the amount of people that responded uh, on the poll. Thirty percent of them thought that he was going to be reinstated this year. Still, guys, that's not going to happen. Mm. All right. Um, so I'm not sitting here thinking like that, but I don't exactly trust the results of the election, and I definitely don't trust that there wasn't enough voter fraud to shift some of the some of the results in some of the very important places but i don't know i have no evidence of that fraud on my own and you just kind of have to move on with it and one thing we can do to actually fix this problem by the way is just make sure that the federal government doesn't have that much power that would be one thing that would help ease this crazy division that we have going on in the country where the country is trying to tell tear itself apart a lot of that comes from the power that the federal government has in the first place and if the if the election wasn't that important well then we wouldn't be so worried about whether or not the right person was put in office because, hey, they don't do anything except for go take pictures anyway. Who cares, man? They just shake hands all day. You would see like 1% of the voters. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it would, true. Because who is president doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Hopefully they'd still turn out to vote for the senators and representatives and stuff like that. All right. Let's move on and go to this article from Reason because Ohio is doing something really stupid right now. And you guys know I don't like antitrust, antitrust cases. Charlie doesn't like antitrust cases. Mm-hmm. And Ohio is... That's one thing we agree on. That's something we agree on. Put it on the list, ma'am. Ohio seeks to declare Google a public utility. They want to declare Google a public utility. That way they can regulate them like a public utility. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so these ideas, people on the left, here's how you know something's bad. People on the left and right both want to regulate these yeah. companies. What do you got? I was going to say uh, um, uh, Ameren Ohio Power wants Google <laughs> to be a public company, yeah. public utility. Yeah, of course. All these public utility companies want Google to be treated the same. I'm sure they do. And I'm sure all the people that compete with Google would be fine with Google being treated that way, too, and them not being treated that way. I don't think they would really care about that. So Ohio is suing in an attempt to get Google declared a public utility or a common carrier. A new lawsuit, new lawsuit filed by Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost asked the Ohio Court of Common Pleas to order stricter regulation of the Internet conglomerate. Mm. In the name of allegedly preventing discriminatory search results. Discriminatory search results. This is results. where Republicans are bad. It is, okay. Quote, Ohio has an interest in ensuring that Google, its users, and the entities whose information Google carries are aware that Google search is a common carrier under Ohio law. Ohio also has an interest in ensuring that, a, that as a common carrier, Google search does not unfairly discriminate against third-party websites. They do stuff like this while also not wanting to go for that paycheck fairness thing. But we want to say that they are unfairly discriminating against third-party mm -hmm. websites because we want to. That Google carries all responsive search results on an equal basis and that it provides the public with ready access to organic search results that Google search algorithms produce, states the lawsuit. So, reason goes on to say, Yas premise, Yas's premise is absurd on many levels. Discrimination is literally the business of search engines. Mm -hmm. Their whole point is to sift through the vast expanses of internet content and determine which web pages most closely match what consumers are searching for and which offer the highest quality content, all while eschewing spam and scams. That's, that's very true. It's literally what the algorithm does. You can see a page that has like 10 results on it. There's thousands of potential results out there. Billions. I mean, for the thing you're searching for. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many they're going to be for the thing that you're searching for. And most people are only going to look at the first page. That's that's it. If you can get on one of the goals, you know, is to get on that first page of the Google search results. Like we Googled uh, uh, McDonald's and $15 minimum wage the other day. And we were what, like number three, four on the first yeah. page of Google. That was good. That's mm -hmm. a good thing to see. Yost also argues that Google needs to be more highly regulated because search results sometimes steer Google users to the company's own products. Oh, no. They need to be regulated because Google, the website, is, is sending customers towards Google's own products. Okay. <laughs> I can't do anything but laugh right I know, there. I know. But there's nothing illegal or nefarious about platforms, virtual or physical, promoting their own goods. Do it. Why is this something someone has to type out and say? Right. This is ridiculous. Could you imagine Walmart? It's, it's ridiculous. Not being able to promote their own brands and their own store. Or giving more prominent placement to others' goods for a fee. Grocery stores give prominent placement to their own brands and to brands that pay for better placement. Newspapers and magazines lay out their own content more prominently than that of the advertisers and also prioritize ad placement based on who pays more. And so on. If someone, here's what uh, Yas said, if someone searches for a flight and Google returns its own presentation of search results to steer the person to Google Flights, is that a thing? Google has Google Flights? You've never used Google Flights? I've literally never heard of that before. What, what? is that? I don't even know what that it's is. Like, I don't even use Google. I use DuckDuckGo. It so. is one of the greatest yeah, uh, searches for flights out there. Huh. Okay. 
Use it incognito, by the way. It's even better. The person doesn't see offers from competitors such as Orbits and Travelocity, compa- complains Yost. Oh. Not only is this false, Orbits and Travelocity results are still there. They're just not at the very top of the page. But it's also no different than the situation we see in supermarkets. And yet, Yost isn't complaining that Kroger relegating certain cereal brands to a lower shelf somehow renders these brands invisible. Nor is he saying the government must start micromanaging cereal product placement. This is a good example I have of this is uh, there's these there's these little uh, they're not oranges, but they're citrus and they're called uh, cuties. They're uh, I can't remember what they're tangelos or some kind of thing like that. Never seen them. They're called cuties. And Kroger has their own brand called adorbs like adorable. Okay, And they put them right in front or next to the cuties. Okay, so they don't own cuties, but they created their own brand called adorbs that are put right there in front of the cuties from the same factory, and the the logo looks almost exactly the same and they're they're on the same spot this is kroger's store they can do that if they want to mm-hmm. this is just no different from what google's doing so they say besides if google search results start seeming too biased or irrelevant to consumers there are other free search engines they're they're all free and so they put free in parentheses they're all free other free search engines such as bing or privacy focused DuckDuckGo. That they can switch to. In other words, there are market solutions to any potential problems here. No massive new regulatory schemes required. In a statement, Google contended that Ohioans simply don't want the government to run Google like a gas or electric company. Of course they don't. This lawsuit has no basis in fact or law and will defend ourselves against it in court. Google is... hopefully win. The article continues, Google is not a monopoly and it isn't offering a commodity good like water or electricity... Treating it like a utility won't remove political bias, but it will stifle innovation and create a powerful political tool, which can be up for grabs to the highest paid lobbying firm. I don't want a federal regulator of political viewpoint bias for Google any more than I do for Fox News or MSNBC. So that's the other thing. And also right now, Joe Biden's administration might be in control of it. But what if Donald Trump Jr. is in control of it the next four years? And that's what every side, each side needs to ask themselves all the time. Do I want the government regulating the Internet social media search engines do i want donald trump's government regulating do i want joe biden's government or kamala harris's government regulating them most of the time if it's the other person's side you'll say no and since you would say no then it needs to be never that's Mm -hmm. what the actual answer needs to be that's what everyone who's on the different side of an opinion needs to ask themselves all the time so you gall darn blokes i can't believe he's complaining that google search results point customers to google's products what what the what the what the h man what the h i, I, I did the it. walmart he did kroger and, and the grocery store same thing yeah it's just I, I just can't believe nate i can't believe the good morning liberty merch stores promoting good morning liberty products that's crazy it's insania isn't, isn't that crazy and actually we do oh. ads we do ads for other people other people's podcasts and we typically tell people about our podcast first <sighs> Yeah, we need an antitrust case right there against us. <laughs> well, Brad Palumbo is going to have a lawsuit against yeah. us for mentioning our own podcast before we mention his. Also, some ads are better um, just because they pay us more. Yeah, that's some people get better placement in our podcast based on what they paid for the ads. Yeah, literally. Isn't, isn't that isn't that the something? Isn't that the special? Okay. Well, uh, speaking of Brad Palumbo, this next article is pretty good. Thanks, Brad. From Fee and Brad Palumbo, former McDonald's CEO just explained how a $15 minimum wage would blow up in workers' faces. 
Proponents of the $15 minimum wage, like progressive Senator Bernie Sanders, you uh, you can read all about them at BernieLies.com, argue that it would lift millions of workers out of poverty. But the former CEO of McDonald's just warned that artificially spiking the cost of labor could hasten the drive toward automation and instead leave many workers replaced with machines. Huh. You don't say. Weird. You don't say. I love all the pictures. My family does this too. The ones out in uh, West Tennessee. They'll they'll take pictures and be like, I'll I'll stand in every line that has a cashier. Screw the robots. <laughs> I'm just like, eventually there's not gonna be a cashier. So I literally might as well get used to scanning your own products. I heard a cashier at Walmart saying to people that were in line for the self checkout that they she was open and there were people in line at the self checkout saying that people needed to support the cashiers and get in line. I'm like, I w- I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah, I just I don't want to. This is much easier. I want, we were going through the line at Walmart the other day, and there was a cashier open and there was a self checkout open. And I was like, oh, you want to go to the cashier? And we were like, no, we don't really want to have to have some fake conversation with someone, you know, right now. Let's just go have, let's just go through self-checkout. So we don't have to talk to anyone, <laughs> you know, that's how uh, I feel most of the time. What's going to happen? Quote, they're going to force the cost of labor up, which means it's going to force management to find alternatives, which means they're going to lose jobs. This is what we've been talking about for so long. It's just... It's just a greedy capitalist saying things that aren't true, you know. Simple math. He has no idea. The former executive said that while mandating higher wages might sound great at first glance, McDonald's would respond either by hiking prices or finding ways to cut costs like increased automation. McDonald's has their own drink drink making machine, mm-hmm. by the way. It's a, literally a robot that makes your drinks for you in the drive-thru. <laughs> you want to know why? Because it takes a lot of time to make drinks. If you want to keep drive-thru times fast to make all those drinks, typically before we got a drink machine, we had an additional person there during lunch that would help make drinks for got the person r- in drive-thru serving the food. Got rid of them. Now, now that person's been replaced by a robot making drinks, and it's awesome. Dumps the ice, <laughs> dispenses a drink. Now, I'm sure that robot costs quite a bit of money. But over time, when you're not paying that person $15 an hour for the three hours they're standing there every single day during rush hour, lunch, that, that adds up over time. We should just ban robots. Over many lo- locations. Just ban robots, man. They're going to end up taking over. Per Fox, Renzi argued that consumers will ultimately end up carrying the costs associated with the wage hike and that the push toward automation is aimed at maintaining the convenience and speed of fast food. He also warned that automation will allow institutional big guys to take over the industry at the expense of small business. Indeed, economic research has shown that McDonald's across the country have raised prices to offset nearly all the costs associated with past minimum wage hikes. Basically, average people were no better off. Yeah. At some point, if they were unable to keep raising prices, stores will instead be incentivized to start aggressively pursuing automation and cutting current workers out of the picture. One of those things in there was important. He said he warned that automation. And now this is this is interesting coming from a former CEO of one of, you know, of one of the big guys. But he said that he warned that automation will allow the big guys to take over the industries at the expense of the small businesses because the small businesses can't front that cost for the for the robots. No. So they end up having to pay someone whatever the minimum wage is, while the other bigger companies are able to make more of that profit, 
And then they're able to take over those markets a lot easier. So you're actually hurting the smaller businesses mm-hmm. by, by doing this in, in another way other than raising their wages. And I'm sure you guys have already seen this, but McDonald's is already exploring this strategy. It is testing new automated voice ordering technology at 10 Chicago restaurants so far boasting an 85% accuracy rate, which might be higher that's, than what that's the better. staff. Yeah, that's better. With staff needing to assist on just one in five orders, artificially spiking labor costs through government mandates will only accelerate this trend. So pretty soon you're going to go to McDonald's and order something and no one's going to be there. The the, the robots are going to make everything for you. It's going to be one person in there making sure it goes through okay. Of course, there's nothing inherently wrong with automation or the development of new technologies, at least not when they come from the natural process of improved productivity in a competitive market. After all, we're all better off that the automobile industry displaced the automated, the horse-drawn carriage industry. (laughs) The problem emerges when the government puts its thumb on the scale. It tips the scale, folks, with its heavy thumb. So I wanted to say the good thing about about automation, there's other stuff like the factories, just say not even replacing the horse-drawn carriage industry and automating our cars, our, our automated mobiles that we have, out there, but also in the factories, automating a lot of these processes. You think, well, that's taking away jobs from people all the time, but what it does is it frees up labor to go towards its highest and best use. Because if you can, if someone has this time that can end up being exchanged for value and they can produce something that other people are going to value and that they're gonna wanna turn over their dollars for and it's gonna make their life better, then you want those people doing the best thing that they could possibly be doing. And allowing the automation to come into play allows for people to put their work and their labor towards its highest and best use. Jeff just said, do female robots make 70% of male robot wages? It's actually worse than that. Yeah, (laughs) it's way worse than that. Business owners, like all rational actors in our economy, make decisions, quote, on the margin. They look at the cost of one extra employee, one extra hour of labor, and weigh it against the benefit of that employee hour or so on. For instance, McDonald's stopped automatically putting ketchup in people's bags. Now, why? Why? You'd think, oh, a ketchup packet probably costs McDonald's one cent, which it does, about two cents, I think, maybe per ketchup packet. So you put a couple in there, you're really not spending much money. But McDonald's has 16,000 locations, maybe more than that now, I don't know. So imagine if you do this every single day, over across 16,000 locations to every single person, whether or not they ask for ketchup or not, McDonald's literally has saved billions of dollars by that simple move. I remember uh, Olive Garden, when we were working there, they made a policy change from automatically putting a lemon in people's tea or their water or on the side of the glass to asking people if they wanted lemon. And it was going to save them tens of millions of dollars on lemons by asking people if they wanted them instead of automatically putting it on the glass. Yeah, all (laughs) kinds of things like that. Every single penny matters when you're looking at the margin, right? There's two ways to make money, okay? You either increase the bottom line or you you increase profits through either raising prices or, or innovation or you reduce costs. That's how you increase the bottom line. That's that's the two ways to or you can just have something so good and so valuable that people pay whatever for it yeah. and just be insanely priced. Yeah. Like an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> you or, know? Or a Bugatti. <laughs> okay. So the same thing with labor, by the way. I mean, that's why the, the automatic drink machine. You know, McDonald's has clam grills. Okay. They cook both sides of the meat at the same time. Now, why did they do something like that? 
Well, because it reduces the amount of people you have to have back there cooking burgers. And the time it takes. And the time it takes to cook the burgers. They will always find ways. In fact, McDonald's as a concept completely revolutionized mm-hmm. the restaurant industry to begin with. All based on it, these ideas. All based on Ford's ideas, really, of the <laughs> yeah. assembly yeah. line. So um, they, they were able to save co- all kinds of things. If the benefit outweighs the cost, they pursue the option. If it doesn't, they don't. Yet when the government artificially meddles with the cost and benefits through arbitrarily spiking labor costs, for example, then businesses end up making different decisions. Well, they just take that into account. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, now my labor is $15 an hour. That's a fixed cost. There's nothing I can do about that. That's what everybody is at least going to make. And so now I'm going to do my calculations off of that. And so now is this $100,000 robot worth it? Over 10 years, I, I can make triple the money by spending this one upfront cost. Uh If uh, when it comes to automating labor, that's a recipe for premature unemployment. To be clear, the acceleration of automation is not the main consequence of misguided minimum wage hikes. The foremost consequences are direct job losses and price hikes that erode any any gains. But minimum wage laws artificially alter the incentive employers face. They do encourage a premature shift to automation. And no matter how much progressives like Bernie Sanders wish it weren't so, workers replaced by a screen won't be better off. They won't. And especially to have a job. If they can't go find a job somewhere else. So what do you, one thing I like that Brad's talking about in here, by the way, go listen to Brad's podcast, Breaking Boundaries, okay? There's a link in the show notes. Go, go listen to that thing. Great interview guests on there all the time. Um, that There's this thing where he talks about when the government puts its thumb on the scale, when the government is affecting this change and pushing people towards automation, that can end up messing things up. So we talked about how when automation comes into play, that's good. It frees up labor to go to its highest and best use. This kind of naturally happens in the economy. And so that's going to happen at a time where uh, it makes sense for the whole economy. For instance, if everyone automates everything and everyone loses their jobs all at the same time, it doesn't do the, ben- it doesn't do the businesses any good to automate everything because then no one has any money to buy any of their products. And so the automation is not going to save them anything. So this naturally occurs at, a, at, a, at this nice, steady rate in the free market. Because there is a balance of these things happening. The automation needs to occur, but there also needs to be jobs for other people to go because if there's some type of a depression and people losing all their jobs, then you're not going to make any money off your automation that you just did whatsoever. So it's not going to do you any good. But when the government comes in there and they force the automation to come in, then that can end up sending a lot of people in unemployment. They can end up having bad effects on the economy because now you force the businesses and the automation, but you didn't do things that allowed new people or new jobs to, uh, to be offered to those people that were forced out of work due to the automation, and then you just create a new need for the government to, uh, to help people. Yeah, it didn't happen naturally. Much like COVID. <laughs> if you, now, if COVID would have naturally developed, maybe it would have infected a few people and all that kind of stuff, but when you, when you just add a spike protein to a, a, a virus that makes it a dangerous uh, virus that can be transmitted very easily between humans, you get a few million people dead. That's... That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Um, we need to. The next article is is another way too in-depth thing Allegedly. to go into. So. Thanks, Joe. Allegedly. Why don't we go ahead and close this out? That's four heavy articles for everyone today. So It, it hurts. Yeah. I think it, we should go ahead and end this thing right it, here. It hurts and I love you. I got to. Heavy on my heart. Send a special thank you to everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. You are helping us pay for the ads that are bringing more and more people to the show all the time. The numbers keep going up. 
The numbers on the social media are looking good. All that stuff. We're running ads on our YouTube videos. The YouTube subscribers are going up. Are going up. So if you're not subscribed on there, then uh, find us on YouTube and subscribe. And that's all. That's all thanks to what all the Patreon supporters are doing, which is the money that we take and we put into growing the show. So if any of you other guys out there want to put your money where your mouth is, or gals, or gals, just I say guys and general like human beings just if any other human beings well, we out there live in tennessee Nate, so say y'all if y'all want to put your monies where your mouths are and where your principles are then you want to help shows like this continue to grow and we're doing it organically but we need you guys to force this thing like the government <laughs> yeah okay so come on in there and you can get in for as little as five bucks a month and you can hang out live with us every single day like this fine group of people does Every day, it's a lot to ask for people to come on here every single day and chat back and forth with us at the same time every day. I mean, I, I, I just, I just can't thank y'all enough. Okay, mm. so go to Patreon.com/slash/GoodMorningLiberty. And if you enjoyed today's show, which I know you did, the free ways that you can support us, which is by sharing the show, share it with the kids, and share it with your family, share it with your friends, and share it with your enemies. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that they will let you leave a rating and review. I believe maybe Facebook's the only other place. <laughs> so leave us a rating and review anywhere you can find it. We really appreciate that. And that actually helps the charts, which helps more people find us. Uh, so that keeps everything. Uh, that's a free way to support your favorite podcast because of those monopolistic algorithms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's why. <laughs> so if you do all of those things, we have an early show tomorrow. We'll be, we'll be going in the morning for all of you live folks. Uh, the, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.